The novel Eternal Life by Dara Horn tells the story of Rachel, who was born about the time of Jesus in the holy city of Jerusalem, and Rachel's problem is that she cannot die. She's been alive already for 2,000 years. She's outlived dozens of husbands and hundreds of children and grandchildren. And if you think that staying up with the latest technology is difficult for us, imagine what it would be like for Rachel after having been on the planet for 2,000 years. She wants to die. That's all she really wants. And she prays that God will take her, but God does not. And now living in New York, one day she says to her grown son across the kitchen table, you know, the hard part isn't living forever. It's making a life that's worth living. Living way too long strikes most of us as a pretty funny problem to have because most of us have faced the opposite angst, saying goodbye to a parent or a spouse or a child who died much too soon or maybe worrying about ourselves that cancer or heart disease or diabetes or something will rob us from those we love before we are ready to say farewell. We are accustomed, aren't we, to relying upon God to get us through the tough times, knowing that better times are coming, but some problems, they're not fixable. Where is God? when dad is diagnosed with a degenerative disease that will slowly cripple him with pain for the rest of his life? How does the family cope with the third round of rehab for Susie that has left them completely broke and Susie is still addicted to drugs? Where is the hope, the hope for new life that God promised? The news this week paints the brutal picture of the violence in Yemen where civil war rages on, a severe cholera epidemic causes widespread suffering, and now a military attack from two neighboring countries threatens seven million people in Yemen with starvation. Surely, the God of justice, the God of peace would intervene. When there are absolutely no words for the pain, the Psalms provide the words. Of the 150 Psalms in our Bible, over one third of them are what scholars call laments. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And not only does the person praying express their deep pain, but they also tell God things seem to be amiss between you and me, God. God doesn't seem to be holding up God's end of the bargain. Some of the other laments found in the Psalms are even more vivid than today's Psalm in blaming God, protesting, God, you've failed, expressing anger and bitterness at God for the way that life seems to be turning out. Even Jesus prayed one of these psalms on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 38 reads, I am utterly spent and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O oh Lord, my longing is known to you. My sighing is not hidden from you. This is the kind of prayer that Fred Craddock calls praying through clenched teeth. 
Some of us are reluctant to pray through clenched teeth. We'd rather keep things tidy and sweet between us and God. We'd rather not reveal our protest to God or let our raw emotions fly into God's face. We might even choose to hide the pain from ourselves and those who were closest to us. You know, just kind of pretend everything's fine, really. I mean, someone comes up to you at the end of a difficult week here at church or as you're going to your car after work or after school, and they say, how's it going? And you go, oh, fine. I mean, fine. I mean, well, all things considered, it's fine, fine. Anne Lamont says there are three essential prayers, help, thanks, and wow. And too many of us settle for the prayer, thank you, God, for the food. Wow, what a beautiful sunset but we rarely turn to God in times that we are desperate for help. Oh, we might pray, God, help me pass this test. I really, really need to graduate. But we don't shout at God about the ongoing pain of caring for a spouse with Alzheimer's or a child with bipolar. We don't shake our fist in the air when God allows a child to be ripped from his mother's arms as she seeks legal asylum at our country's border. Mike Graves and I talked about this psalm, Psalm 13, this week. I said to Mike, doesn't everybody know already that God welcomes our laments? Mike said, no. We have mostly been trained up, for whatever reason, with a religious reluctance to gripe at God. We don't ask God for help in times of unfixable pain because we typically see prayer as a transaction. Here's what I want, now God, you give it to me. Mike said, we forget that prayer is not always a transaction. Sometimes it's a presence. And when we don't lament, we render God irrelevant. We settle in and accept that God is a God of divine aloofness, either unable or unwilling to do what Scripture has promised, bring about justice and truth and love. And so we pull away from God inch by inch because what good is God anyway? And then we find ourselves all alone. But maybe if we could share our honest anguish with God, we could discover a new kind of intimacy with God. Jim Giacomo lost his brother Joe on 9-11. Joe worked in the North Tower of the World Trade Center on the 103rd floor, and at 8.46 in the morning, he disappeared. Jim shared their story on The Moth several months ago. He talked about meeting over the years with other family members of victims of 9-11. He said that with other families, they would share that there had been kind of this butterfly moment or this rainbow or this breeze on a spring day where they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that their loved one was somehow still present. But Jim said, you know what? I'm a plumber. I'm a very pragmatic guy, and I've never had one of those moments. He would try talking with other people about his brother, but he could tell 
they were just uncomfortable hearing about it. And so he stopped talking about it, but over the years he was haunted by a recurring nightmare. In the nightmare, he was at the base of a mountain, and his brother Joe was up on the top of the mountain. And there in the valley, he would look up and figure out a way to climb, and as he would climb, monsters would come out of the mountain and push him back down. For years, he was haunted by the same nightmare. And then he was invited to go on one of those outward bound hiking trips in Colorado with some other people who had lost a loved one on 9-11. And after acclimating to the altitude, they hiked into a beautiful forest and they set up a camp and he went out and did a little fishing and tried to get acclimated to the area. And while fishing, he looked up and he saw the valley and he saw the mountain that had been in the nightmare for the last six years. That night, people gathered around the campfire and they told stories about their lost loved ones. Many of them wept. And he shared the story that he had never shared with anyone else about this nightmare with the monsters. The next morning when they set out to hike, he realized that the mountain they were going to be hiking was the one from his nightmare. About halfway up the mountain, Jim had a complete and total breakdown. He began crying and wailing and falling to his knees and making guttural sounds. His companions hugged him and comforted him and encouraged him and finally he continued the hike and when they got to the top of the mountain, the most glorious view awaited him and there on the mountaintop, someone had left a glass pickle jar with pen and paper inside so that hikers could leave a note. And there he wrote down his thoughts and his prayers about his brother Joe. He wrote that he would never forget his brother. And he said that in remembering, a wrinkle in the brain happens, a way of keeping the memory of the loved one alive. And after that hike, Jim never had the nightmare again. Our laments, you see, our honest anger, our raw emotions, our questions, and our doubts find a home inside of God, and there we can discover a genuine relationship with God. Laments don't push God away. They bring God closer to us. Did you ever watch West Wing? I know you did. A couple of seasons in, there is a character named Josh, Josh has suffered, suffered a serious gunshot wound, and he's recovering now physically, but still working with a therapist to help him get past the trauma. Leo, the chief of staff, is a recovering alcoholic, and he comes and visits with Josh one day, just as Josh is starting to get his life turned around, and Leo tells Josh this parable. He said, you know, you're in a hole, see, and a doctor walks by and throws in a prescription, having heard your cry for help. And then a priest walks by, and again, you cry out for help, and the priest mumbles some kind of prayer into the darkness. A friend walks by, and you cry, help me, and the friend jumps down into the hole. And you say to your friend, well, now we're both stuck. And your friend says, yes, but I've been here before and I know the way out. 
the God of the Bible, is the God who climbs into the hole with us. That is why God sent Jesus to be with us. Jesus did not live a pain-free life. He suffered bullying and persecution and was hung on a cross to die because he loved in revolutionary ways. He came to be with us, to remind us that God can handle our deepest pain. Jesus wept. Jesus suffered the loss of a friend. Jesus rose not as a ghost, but as one who still had the piercings of the nail in his hands. Today, too many of our friends, too many of our loved ones, even celebrities, are taking their own lives. What horrific pain, what terrible aloneness that must be. Researchers in the field of psychology have discovered that when a person feels suicidal, that if you can delay them just by one hour, they often change their minds. Knowing that someone is there with us and for us can possibly be the turnaround. So what does it mean to know that God is there with us and for us when the pain becomes far too great? The psalmist begins in lament, Answer me, God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And then the psalmist concludes, I trusted. I trusted, O oh God. I trusted in your steadfast love. We are not told what that turnaround in life looked like, only that the person's heart was softened because they remembered that God did indeed embrace them with love. Or as Anne Lamont puts it, God rushes in like a labor nurse. God comes to us to turn our pain into new life. I love the movie, The Color Purple. You may have read the book by Alice Walker or seen the movie about abuse and poverty, but also a story, I think, about the presence of God. There is a scene in which Suge tells Seeley, you know, some people think that our job here on earth is to please God, but any fool living in the world can see that God is always trying to please us back. The world is always making these little surprises and springing them on us when we least expect it. One of those little surprises came my way on the day of Dave's surgery to remove his malignant tonsil and his lymph nodes. On the morning of the surgery, I was at the gym about 5.45 lifting weights when I had this brainstorm. I texted each of our three kids, our son-in-law and our daughter-in-law, and I said, hey, send me your best joke. I'll read it to dad when he's in pre-op, which can be such a long wait. Well, they did better than send me a joke to read to dad. They each sent a videotape of themselves telling these awesome jokes to their dad to relax him prior to surgery. They all complied except the youngest. And he didn't send a joke. He sent a song. And it was not even a cheerful song. It was the saddest song 
the song that he knew his dad loved so much. Dad is always pestering Connor to play this one song, and 99% of the time, Connor refuses to play it. Come on, Dad. No. No, not now. It had been four years, I'm pretty sure, since Connor had played that song for his dad. So there in the KU pre-op, with that lovely sheet hanging from a chain providing semi-privacy as you lay there in the bed in your hospital gown, I handed Dave my phone, and he watched Connor seated in his room videotaping himself in Nashville playing Dad's song, Ain't No Sunshine. Ain't No Sunshine. And Dad wept. Because when you sing the blues, you know that God embraces you. <laughs>